How are you guys doing today? How many of you enjoy yesterday's beach day with the good sunny weather and good friendship on the beach? Amen. That was really good. Um, the Emotionally Healthy Women, actually Kelsey is going to teach that. So I would uh, extend my invitation for those of you who would love to learn more about the Bible and grow spiritually. This is open for everyone from age what, 8 to 60, <laughs> I don't really care, just come over and we'll have good fellowship and learning about the Bible together, amen. So, um, how many of you are freshmen in this place? Can I see a show of hand? Can I just, yeah, <laughs> not my husband, he's, that's like, he's expired, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we were born a million years ago. <laughs> so, how many freshmen um, that I can hear in, can I see the, not grace? Okay, um, I think as a church, we want to, again, I know you heard this a lot, but we want to officially welcome you guys in this house. Uh, if you are new to Seattle this, this, this year, I think this is why we're here. We want to be a home base for you. And how many of you know that no homes are perfect, right? No church is perfect. But you know how sometimes when you grow up in a family, you are embarrassed to in invite your friends because your house is messy or your siblings are fighting? This is not that kind of house, okay? So usually if you're embarrassed to invite people, you know, to, over to your house, you'll say, I'll meet you at the park or I'll meet at your house, okay? But don't come over to my house. But this church, how many of you believe that? We are so proud to invite people over because even though it's not perfect, but it's filled with the most genuine, funniest, messiest sometimes, but kindest people on planet Earth. Amen? How many of you agree? Amen. And all, we don't have any agenda other than wanting to, you to meet Jesus. That's it. Because He's the best thing that can ever happen in our lives. Amen? That's it. So, I, I, I sense in my spirit that we are going through the season of transition. Um, and it's not just for the freshmen. Uh, it's for everyone. I feel like the Lord wants us to go to deep, not deeper, higher level uh, of season. So, it might be a new job, new relationship, new role, new career. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's a really strong sense in my heart that there's newness of the season that's going to happen in front of you. Amen. So my husband and I, if you go to the next slide, has been in this church for about 20 years. I came to Shoreline um, many, many, many years ago. Let's not count. So uh, we grew up in this church, basically. Like that's my son on the very, on the very left. Um, he was just crawling here uh, when he was a baby all his life. Sunday schools, you know, he's always there. Kelsey, our pastor and pastor's wife, she's the person who actually pour out to our kids week after week after week without missing. So she has to listen to this sermon on the weekdays because she's never here. She's always with the kids. So next slide. So she's the one pouring out to us birthdays after birthdays after birthdays. And they grew up. This is their home, guys. And, and if you guys go to the next slide, that's our kids right now. The youth are the one hosting all of you yesterday. Can I hear an applause? Isn't that exciting? Isn't God faithful? Isn't God faithful? So when, when we sing today, He's the God of generation. He is the God of generation. He will not stop the blessing in our parents or with us. He's going to continue from generation to generation to generations. 
So I want to sincerely thank you guys, the youth leaders who pour out and guide our children all these years. My son is 15 now. And if there's imperfections yesterday, I apologize because they're kids that's running the show for you guys. Amen. So God is faithful. Back to the season of transition, not just freshmen. How many of you just transferred the four-year college? Can I see your hands? Soft, um, junior, juniors, juniors. No juniors in the place? I know some juniors are there. All right, juniors. There are other transitions happening. Uh, how about new parents? Five, the first five years count. Okay, new parents. Um, there are many new parents in this room. If your kids are toddlers, we're right there with you. This is the busiest, sleepiest, most tiring season of your life, but also the most fulfilling. So there's a lot of transitions happening. So a season of change is always exciting. And if you see round, if you go to the next slide, summer just transitioned into fall. And we have to gear up for this change up. Amen. We need to be prepared for the change and the season that's coming in front of in front of us. So for example, if the weather is transitioning into rainy weather, we have to get our rain jackets ready. We have to buy some waterproof boots. You gotta need oh, we don't need umbrellas, by the way. Seattle lights never use umbrellas. Those are for tourists. Okay. So get your vitamin C booster, flu shots, everything. We gotta get ready for the shift. Can you guys say it to, uh, together with me? Gear up for the change up. You gotta gear up for the change up. So spiritually, I wanna, I wanna title my message message today. Prepare for takeoff. Amen. If you are writing it down, if you're writing, typing up in your phone, I'm gonna use a lot of airport and airplanes analogy, aviation analogy. I ask a million questions to my husband. So be be graceful. But today, I'm gonna talk to you about preparing to take off. So spiritually, I sense in my spirit that the Lord wants us to take off to new heights. There's new destination that he wants to take you, but it requires our focus and intentionality so we can arrive at our destination. Amen. Okay, before we go there, how many of you like going to the airport? Next slide. I honestly despise airport. <laughs> I think it's, it's just, it's just a box of anxiety. <laughs> I mean, like, pulled into one place, you know, the traffic and the mask and like, we have to wait. Like, I don't know when you guys, are, if I'm picking you up from the airport, I don't know when you're going to come out. It could be like 20 minutes. They have to wait for me and it can be two hours. What's happening here? I don't really know. But in order for us to go somewhere, we do need to follow the process. There's no option. We have to take the Uber there. If you're lucky, your care group leader is going to take you there, right? Have them on speed dial. We have to check in our bags. We have to wait. And first thing they ask you is ID, right? So if you forgot your passport, good luck. You have to go through TSA lines. That is like a cattle being, you know, shepherded into, into something, into, into a farm. It's just, it's just so messy. And then we have to, sometimes when we board the plane, we still need to wait and we have to go through the, the turbulence and shaking before the takeoff. We need to turn everything off, and then off you go. The, the most annoying thing for me, you guys, is when we lay down our seat like that before takeoff. And somehow, I don't know why, they need to make us make our seat straight before takeoff. Okay, why, 
why does why do we need it's just like a few degree up right but it makes the huge difference for everyone i don't really know so there's a lot of steps that needs to be done for us to take off so we want to see in matthew 4 we're going to shift into a spiritual realm here what should we prepare what steps do we need to take in order for us to transition in matthew 4 we want to look at the scriptures when jesus himself was going through a season of transition, right? Who's a better model to learn than Jesus himself? So in Matthew 4, 12, the passage was titled, The Ministry of Jesus Begins. So what we're going to see is what happened before his takeoff. So the title of your season right now might be The Freshman Year of um, Marvel Begins. A sophomore year sky begins, right? A new job for somebody begins. A new role for Grace and Billy and Adeline begins in youth. A new season for Sharon begins, you know, like whatever that means. So there's a lot of titles. You know what I mean. There's a lot of seasons happening right now and new seasons, new beginnings. And there's a title for our beginning at this moment. But let's, let's look at Matthew 4. What did Jesus do before he started his ministry? I'm going to read to you real quick. There's, there's so many revelations that I get just from reading what Jesus did before the most effective ministry started. So, um, I'm gonna, it's not on the... Um, on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you real quick, okay? The baptism of Jesus. And then, this is before he started, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for me. We must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to, be, to baptize him. And after his baptism, Jesus came up from the water and the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And then after that, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. Let's take time to pray for a little bit. Jesus, I just want you to take over our time together this morning. I pray that your spirit will speak to us. It's not my wisdom, not, not my power. It's not my words, but your words, Lord. I pray for every heart here to be open up to you and for eyes to see you. Open up our spiritual eyes so we can see you. I pray, we pray against every distractions that wants to kill, steal, and destroy and snatch away the word of God that's being planted this morning. I pray this word is going to multiply a hundred times fold. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So guys, this person of Jesus is incredible. He is not just a teacher. He's not just a rabbi. He's our savior. So he's the ultimate role model if we want to have a very effective and impactful life. So just a few fun facts about Jesus. Just three years of ministry, he grew his followers from only three to 12 to 12,000. And this is not just bandwagon Seahawks fans, you know, like just, we are only like cheering when they win. This is a, a radical 
deep follower of Jesus that's been changed by the good news from the inside out. 12,000. And right now there's millions of followers. In the Bible, it was recorded, you know, the Bible that has red letters. Um, it's recorded that his words in the Bible is only recorded 31,426 words, about 30K. That's what you told me. 30,000 words. As a comparison, us women, we talk about 20,000 words per day. Jesus talked 30,000 words in three years' time. So that's how short and how concise he speaks. He speaks very concisely. There are 30K words that he spoke. The important sermon was recorded. If you make it into hours, it's only four-hour sermon. So his, his sermon's very, 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 very effective. But his impact was tremendous. It spans through nation, century, and generation. So where did he start? Let's, let's see a roadmap. Where did he start? Where does he start? If you go to the next slide, a lot of us want to start here in the first iceberg. We want to perform. We want to be seen cool. We want to impress people. We want to be seen by the crowd. But Jesus did not start his ministry there. He did not start with the crowd. He started in 30 years of hiddenness, 30 years of place where he's unseen, no applause, no spotlight, no acknowledgement. Amen. So today, the Lord wants us to begin in a private world, 30 years of hidden private life where it is only Him alone with God as a carpenter. carpenter. So first roadmap, first stop I want to share with you is a place of identity, a place of identity. If you go to the next slide, what, what do I mean by this? Before Jesus starts, Matthew 3, it says that He went to Galilee to be what? To be baptized, water baptized. And guys, water baptism is not just a Christian ritual that we want more numbers. So, so there's, a, there's a steps for you. It, like, it's not a cult thing, you know. It's not a Christian tradition thing. It is a, an obedience to Christ because Jesus himself did it. He was not required to do it, but he does it. He did it out of his obedience and his love for his Lord. So baptizo, what does it mean? The, the original word baptizo is literally to immerse and to dip repeatedly, to submerge and to make fully wet. So the point of baptism itself is not merely getting people wet. It is the point of it is literally a public declaration of their faith that Jesus is my Lord right now. He becomes my identity. What do you do when you go to airport first? When you go to the SA line? ID and passport, please, right? If you don't know who you are, your identity, how could you fly anywhere? First thing first is you need to know who you are. And this is, I want to show you why baptism is crucial to know who we are in Christ. So I have here just to illustrate to you what it means to be baptized. <clears throat> the Greek word baptizo literally means identification. So in the Old Testament, fabric, ito, there's no print for fabric. Right now you print out with hit press and everything. In Old Testament, they have to dye the clothes to make it colorful. So imagine this is our old life full of hurt, full of pain, full of bitterness, disappointments at people. There's actually like spots there. We probably sin and we don't know how to save ourselves. 
But one point in our life, we receive Jesus and everything changes, right? He changes everything. He changed everything. I did not start in this place. I was broken. I was lost. I was without purpose. And then I found Christ and everything changed. But it doesn't stop there. The next step after you receive Christ is to be baptized. And this is what happened. This is the water that symbolized the identity of Christ. And baptism means you have to be submerged. You have to be submerged in the water. So the identity of Christ becomes your identity. The character of Christ becomes your character. And when you're immersed in his death, you will come alive in his resurrection and in hope and future full of hope. Amen. His character becomes your character. His purpose becomes your purpose. My life is no longer lost and hopeful. My life is resurrected in Christ. So baptism is identity. The old has gone, the new has come. The world is behind us and the cross before us. We are not turning back. Amen. So I know there's, there are brave people that want to be baptized next week. And we are so excited for you. But I do not want this to be a pressure. It, this has to come from your heart. Amen. But we know, we know that this is the steps that the Lord wants you to do. And as your shepherd, we have to teach you that this is the ways of the Bible. Amen. So, I'm just super excited. I'm sorry. So, guys, from this to this is why baptism is so powerful. Amen. So, we're not following church tradition. We're following God's ways. We're, obey, we're obeying the commands of Jesus Christ. So, after that, even Jesus, the next slide, it says that Jesus went from Galilee and after that, John tried to talk him out of it. So a lot of times when we want to follow God's steps to be baptized or to follow Christ, there's so many voices in our head that wants to talk us out of it. Even Jesus was, he was tried, to, John tried to talk him out of it. Amen. So when John tried to talk him out of it, it's to hinder and to prohibit and to prevent him. So basically he's trying to rationalize it. Like you're God, you don't need to be baptized. Like you did it before, you don't need to be baptized. You don't need to be baptized. Like I'm scared, I don't, like there's a lot of reasoning. But today I wanna encourage you guys that following Jesus is not about your rational. It's not about what's right and what's wrong. Following Jesus, uh, it's all about obedience despite our feelings. I'm gonna do it anyway because it's the right thing to do. I wanna follow Christ. He is before me, the cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Can I hear an applause from you? Can, is anyone here excited about this next season of life? Come alive, amen? I'm not saying that there's not gonna be any problem after you're, you get baptized, no. But your identity is changed. Christ is in you now. You can face hardship, chain with Christ, amen? So after that, this is the commands from the Lord, Matthew 28. It's very clear. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. And Romans 6, and the message says that that's what baptism into life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's a symbolized the burial of Jesus. That means your old life has gone. And when they take you out, Pastor Erwan, 
if you're lucky, he can pull you out of the water, right? When we are raised up out of the water, it is the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so we can see where we're going. Amen. So the greatest thing here happens after the baptism. Next slide. After Jesus was baptized, he didn't need to do that, but he did it out of obedience. Matthew 3 said, after his baptism, this is where identity comes in. He said, as Jesus came out of the water, the heaven were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, the one I am well pleased. Agapetos means he's my favorite. He's the one worthy of my love. So guys, this is what's interesting. Even before he starts preaching, even before he begins his ministry and his job, he is already loved. That's your identity and my identity. We are his beloved sons and daughter. Everybody said agapetos. Agapetos. We're already loved and accepted fully. And from that place of acceptance, we serve. Amen? Amen? So next point. Our identity. Next, our identity, just write it down. If you forget everything else from my sermon today, your identity is God's beloved sons and daughters. Get this, even if you decide not to be baptized, doesn't mean God will love you less. Lo. He will still love you the same. Amen. It's just a symbol of our commitment. It doesn't change God's love for you. Amen. So next, next stop. First stop, tadi, place of identity. Right? Show your ID. Number two, this is a little weird, but this is an interesting revelation for me. Number two is a place of obscurity. So how many of you are already done with water baptism? Uh, just a quick show of hand. Quick show of hand. Okay, so maybe the first point, done and done, right? <laughs> but this is the next step that usually God is, ca is calling us or drawing us into for our spiritual maturity. After baptism, Jesus did not go straight to the town and preach and heal the sick and multiply the breads. He went to the wilderness. So what is obscurity? If you go to the next, next slide. I shared this with my leaders uh, a few months ago, but I think like this is so important for us to share here in this place because obscurity is such an, a lost art. <laughs> it is a, a, an odd word, but I think that it is such a powerful word because obscurity here means the state of being unknown inscospious uh, and unimportant. And that's the place where Jesus went after he's identified. Next slide. Matthew 4 said, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and here it means a lonely place, a solitary place. How many of you like to be alone, just by yourself, no friends? How many of, how many of you are introverts, introverts in the hands? I think introverts would love to be alone, right? But extroverts, like COVID was bad for us. We really need to meet friends. I'm like an extreme extrovert. But guys, for us to have an effective ministry or job or role or relationship or marriage, we need to be in a place of the desert, of wilderness, when we only walk with Jesus. It's our intimate walk with Jesus because Jesus went straight to the wilderness even before his ministry. Like spiritual desert, a desert here represent a lonely place, a solitary place where there's uncertainty, there's, there's loneliness, 
it's in the middle between your past and your future. It's just when the Israelites go round and round. And it's a place where there's no acknowledgement, there's no audience, no spotlight. But Jesus stepped into that wilderness. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Because this is so crucial. This is so crucial. Guys, if you find yourself in a place of loneliness, you are alone, nobody understands you, take heart. Because this is needed for your spiritual growth. Amen? Amen? In the desert, next slide. First, in the desert, guys, we are sinned only by God and not by men. That's enough. Number two, you see how when you post stories or Instagram, there's like that scene button in the, in the bottom. And a lot of us are curious, probably, just wanting to know who's seen your life and story. And that become a collective obsession for us to be seen by men. But what the word is telling us from this passage is that Jesus was content just by being seen by God. And my next point after that is that in the desert, we need to have our private victory before our public testimony. In this alone journey, when we face struggles and temptations, we need to have our own story because if not, how can we share to public what God has done in your life? Amen? So, so take heart if you go through hardships because this needs to happen. I, I experienced 10 years season of hiddenness with my husband before we re-enter the ministry just with our kids. And there's no care groups, there's no crowd, but that's the time where my character really grows in God because he really shaped you to get ready for the next assignment. Amen? So in the desert, we will face hardship and temptation, but through those hardship and temptations, God's identity in us will go from the surface level into a deeper level of your soul. How many of you were prayed by Pastor Rajan last month? It was great, right? But he can pray over you all he wants. But if there's no soil of character, there's no hardship, there's no temptation that you have to face yourself, that thing is just going to be over your head. You're going to forget. The hardship and the temptation is gonna, what going to make it from the surface level into a deeper level. Martin and I have, Master Rajan, pray for us. You have a gift of faith. Remember, honey, it was, it was like a few years ago. He was prayed, you got to give a faith. And at first, it's like, what does that mean? I don't understand. You know what it means when you get a gift of faith? <laughs> that means you're going to go through crazy, crazy storms in your life that requires your faith. And in that wilderness is when we experience the, the identity that the Lord speak over him, give a faith into real, real Rama, because we need to have faith in order for us to overcome those mountains and challenges. Amen? Last place. Are you guys still awake? Woo, last place. This is interesting, guys. In a rocket, I'm going to shift from planes to rocket. It's still in aviation, right? If you want to reach new heights, there's going to be turbulence. You're going you're gonna to feel some shaking. Shaking before you take off. Things are going to ramble. You're going to have to buckle up your seat. You're going to have to hold on. But that's required because you need to take off to a new level. And in the rockets, it's even more extreme because for you to break that sound barrier, it's a critical mass. There's like 
crazy amount of pressure before you break that barrier, the sound barrier into that next level. And I don't know how, what this message is for you, who this message is for, but if you experience extreme shaking or struggles or attacks in your life, take heart because maybe, just maybe, just like Jesus faced with the devil in the desert, you're about to launch. God is about to launch you into something greater, Isaiah 54. So brace yourself, fasten your seatbelt through these changes. But God is going to give you breakthrough, amen? How many of you want breakthrough? Breakthrough is coming. Everybody said that. Breakthrough is coming. The last stop, first stop, identity. Baptism, being his beloved. Second place, obscurity, a place of hiddenness and loneliness where your identity is seared to your soul. Third one is a place of separation. This is Falcon 9 from SpaceX. Um, he's the latest launch. And for a rocket to reach new heights, he needs to let go of the dead weight. Everybody say dead weight. Dead weight means the fuel tank that is done and done with, the baggage of your past, of your hurt, of your disappointment, of your anxiety, of your fear. You need to let go of that dead weight for you to enter into a new realm. Can you play that video in the very end? I fast forward it. It's a visual of your spiritual baggage. What do you need to let go in this season for you to enter into the next season? Even that, the Falcon 9 is still, is still letting go of his baggage. Guys, there are three things that I want to mention to end my sermon today that is crucial for you to let go in order for you to break through into this new season. Amen? And these three things is what Jesus was tempted in the wilderness when he was in that desert. Number one, next slide. Pay attention. I'm almost done. Pay attention. Almost done. Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. How many of you know if you're tempted, it's not a sin. We are all tempted. So when you're tempted, take heart. Don't condemn yourself. Jesus himself was tempted. But fight it with the word of God. Don't act on your temptation. Amen. First thing. Next slide. Let go of instant gratification. In Matthew 3, the first temptation of Jesus, it says, During that time, the devil came and said to Jesus, If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Because I know you're hungry. You want this bread right now. It's in front of you. You lust over it. You want to eat it. and You want to consume it right away. Flesh. It's a sin of the flesh. But Jesus said, no, people do not live by the bread alone, but by every word that came from the mouth of God. So friends, the first temptation is the physical temptation. Physical temptation is real. Clearly, the enemy has been watching Jesus go without food for 40 days. So he attacks where he's weak. So maybe our temptation today is not bread. My temptation is bread. For sure it's bread. That's my weak point. I don't know. It might be porn. It might be girls, alcohol, relationships. But today, the Spirit of the Lord said you have to separate yourself. You have to let go of that dead weight if you want to go to the next level because that's not going to serve you in the next level. Amen? What 
separate you, you need to identify the things that pulls you away from God's love and God's purpose over your life. Identify it. Write it down. Next slide. If you see this picture, this is a really graphic torture by the ancient, uh, I think it's the ancient Romans, um, medieval times. And this torture is called drawing and quartering. And each person's four limbs were tied to four ropes, and each of the ropes were tied to four horses. And then the horses were commanded to run into four different directions in speed to the death of the prisoners. And the French called this practice distraction. What is pulling us away from God's love today? If that thing distracts you, pulls you away from God's love, let it go. Uninstall it. Delete the app. Break the relationship. I do, we do care about you, and if any of you here are in the season of relationship or dating, um, looking for a boyfriend and a girlfriend, I'm super, usually I'm super excited if you guys are in that season, because Ma Martin and I are into friendship, courtship, marriage, we're all for, I want to hold your babies, that's it, if I want to like be honest, right? But, but, hear, hear me up, hear me, hear, hear, hear me just for a little bit. If that boyfriend or girlfriend of yours pulls you away from the one thing that you need the most in your life, which is the love of Christ and your purpose and your destiny with God, then you're going to experience death by distractions. Because God is the God of order. Your spouse that the Lord's going to send to you is going to go, is going to propel you even deeper, even faster, even higher to the calling that God has for your life. Amen. So if he pulls you to the different direction, he's not the one for you. That's it. It's, it's, a, it's a very simple red flag. There's only one direction. There's only one thing. It has to propel you to Christ, not away from Christ. Amen? So anything, anything, it doesn't have to be relationship, anything that distracts or pulls you away from God, let it go. It's your dead weight. Number two, I'm going to go through this real quick. Matthew 4 says, when the, then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you're the son of God, jump off this building. For the scripture said, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot. And Jesus said, you must not test the Lord your God. Wow. The second temptation, the second dead weight is the, our obsession of our image. And you notice that this temptation happened at church. He's at the highest level of the temple. And the devil said this, show them. Just show them what you can do. Perform. Be busy. Look holy. Look perfect. And if Jesus did that, like that 12,000 followers, one day, he doesn't need to spend three years in ministry. Woo, a show. What a show. He fell down from the temple. The angel all lift him up. I was like, oh, he's the Messiah for sure. I'll put my head in this person, right? A shortcut to fame and to image. But Jesus didn't want to follow that path. He said, I'm going to take the path of obscurity. Because when I wash feet, when I break breads, when I touch the lepers and hug the limbs, 
point out. I go one by one by one without acknowledgement, without anything. That's when his real impact happened. Not on the stage, not on the spotlight, not on the crowd, but on the ground alone with his people. Amen. So let go of that image. What people, what people will think, how would people think of you? None of that. I'm seen by God and that's enough. That's enough for me. Amen. So let go of image. Let go of the need to be seen and to impress others because you can impress people from afar. Like if Jesus really fell down and the angel came, he will impress people from afar. But impact only happens in close proximity. Amen. Get off the stage. Serve your people. Last one. Oh, this is so close and dear in my heart. Because I feel like nowadays our idol is not in the statues. Nowadays our idols is in the form of technology, in the form of good things, basically. I could even idolize my worship to God, my ministry to God. But Matthew 4, the next, the last temptation of the devil, it said, look Jesus, I'm showing you all of the kingdom of the world and their glory their glory and I will give it all to you if you just kneel down and worship me. But Jesus said, you must not worship. You, the scripture said, get out of here. You must only worship the Lord your God and serve only God. That's it. Nothing else. So guys, Jesus is our one thing. He's our one thing that's worth worshiping. What? have we been paying attention to that is not Him? If you want to know how we in unintentionally worship idols in our life, and it doesn't have to be a statue or porn or wrong relationship. It could be good things. It could be our family, <laughs> you know, because we're so obsessed with our marriage and our kids, our hobbies, our wealth, our glory, comfort, we coddle it. So when you want to know what's your idol, you need to pay attention of where you spend the most time. Where do you fix your eyes? Where does your money go? Where does your time go? And if Jesus is not first, that could be your, that could be your idol. So let it go. Amen. We got to take off, guys. As a church corporately, as a care group, as a family, as an individual, there's more. There is more that Jesus wants to give to you. If you are satisfied with just ordinary, the Lord said, no, my son, my daughter, I have more for you. I have more in store for you. If you can stand on your feet right now. I want to read to you from Hebrews 12. It's just an exciting new season. When the Lord says, since we are surrounded by such huge crowd of witnesses, let us strip off every weight, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trip us up. And let us run with endurance the race in the race that God has be set before us. Let us stand on our feet, guys. He is our one thing. He is our one thing. Jesus is our As we worship Him, you know, I was, I was walking my dog the other day and 
I usually use this time to pray for you and just to ask God what are the things in your heart you want to share to your church every day I ask the Lord because I don't want this to be my my words I want this to be the word of the Lord and one day during my walk he says this joy I know that you've been preaching about the one thing that Jesus needs to be your one thing that you need to let go of everything to pursue Jesus to pursue his will to do his commands but remind my people that they are my one thing they are my one thing and we are not like God God is able to be omnipresent he's able to think of Billy and think of Maverick at the same time think of Sheldon at the same time think of Martin he is able to just focus laser focus on you at this moment because you are his one thing tell my sons and daughters when I died on the cross when I spill my blood on the cross it's their name that I'm thinking about because I know that in this season of life they need my blood to cover them they need my blood of healing to heal their broken heart because tell them that their name is what I am thinking about in that cross when I spill my blood because I know they would need me in this season of life you are my one thing says the Lord I'm laser focused on you my eyes are on you you are the apple of my eyes says the Lord even your name is written in my hands and there's nobody nobody in this world that can separate you from the love of God not death not the angels not the devil not the enemy nothing can take you away from the love of God you are his beloved so friends with all eyes closed I don't want this to be an emotion. I don't want this to be you pressured by people. But if you are called to take the next step of faith, to be water baptized, to follow Jesus. Lord, you are my identity. Like I don't want to live like my past anymore. I'm done living a double life where the enemy is running rampant in my brain, causing me anxiety and stress and depression. No more, no more. If this is you, say, get away from me, Satan, and they will flee from you. With all eyes closed, all eyes closed, lift up your hands. Say, Lord, you are my one thing. I want to follow you, the world behind me, the cross before me. I'm not turning back. And this is going to be the best decision of your life. If you have not received Christ before as your Savior, as the God of your life, lift up your hands say Lord this is me in this new season I need you 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 I'm not going one more day without you I cannot go on one more day without you my Savior and my creator of my life I know there's only five people people that's about to get water baptized next week but in my spirit the Lord said there's more this is going to be filled with the water baptism pool. It's going to be filled with people committing their life to Christ, not because of church tradition, because they're sick of their own life. They want their new identity, their new hope and purpose found in Christ. And if this is you, I want to see your hands. Jeremiah 29, 11 said, For I know, says the Lord, the plan I have for you, and that is the plan to give you hope and future. It's not a plan to harm you. Just follow me, follow me. There's an invitation to follow him today. I want to see your hands. 
lift it up, lift it up really high. Don't think about other people saying. Don't think about what other people think about you. It's between you and God, between you and God. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. This is my life. This is my life, Lord. Any of you are going through the season of obscurity, hopelessness, loneliness, brokenness, nobody understands you, nobody sees you, you're in the wilderness, you're in the desert, you're tempted and you're going through hardship, you're going through a lot of pressure in your life, the shaking and the Bible said everything that will be shaken will be shaken, you're shaken, you're shaken right now in your seat, you're fastening your seat balance like I don't know where this is going Lord but the God of the universe says today, I see you, I love you and I know exactly where you're going, hold my hands and I will lead you to the path of righteousness. If this is you, I want to see your hands. I'm in the wilderness and in the desert and you need the Word of God to strengthen you. And my last call, the Holy Spirit is burning in your heart right now. You know what it is. I don't. There's an idol. There's an image worship. There's a distraction that pulls you away from the love of God. And you said no more. Let go of that dead weights, just like the rocket. And I want to enter into this new season. I want to take off with Christ. Lift up your hands really high. This is a decision, the best decision that you're going to make in your whole life. Best decision. No emotions. It's a commitment to Christ. Keep your hands up in the air. The Lord sees, the Lord sees, the Lord sees. The Lord sees. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. 